Welcome to the Divine Purpose Podcast, where we transport you along one of the more dynamic journeys of life. Have you ever been curious to know what it takes to become a successful leader or about knowing the secrets of life through the Bible? How about engaging in conversation where no topics are off limits? We will take you to new levels with guests who can help you grasp the importance of your calling. Now, here's your host, Eddie Dacius, founder of Dacius Facilities Management. Hey everybody, this is Eddie Dacius. We are here on our first live episode with Girling Gersey. Um, Girling Gersey, she's a communication manager at Cisco and she's great. She's going to talk about her experience, her background and her passion. So now we, without further ado, let's introduce um, Girling Gersey. Girling, how are you? Very good. Thank you so much for having me, Eddie. And it's an honor to be a part of the first live uh, broadcast of the podcast. So this yeah. is fabulous. I'm so honored. <laughs> now, thank you for being here with us. So, um, what can you tell us about you? Mm-hmm. Well, oh gosh, where do you want me to start? You want me to go into my like background yes. before we get into the work stuff? I could do that. Is that where yeah. we should start? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, so a little bit about me, just to share. I am um, from a Haitian household, actually. I think we might be sharing that in common. Uh-oh. I'm first generation. Yep, I'm I'm Haitian. I'm a first generation American, and um, I thank God for just the ability to be able to be born here, and for all the work that my parents have put in. And from a young age, they just instilled in me the importance of hard work and honoring your commitments. So I, I was raised in a Haitian household hardworking parents um, who gave me every opportunity in life. I grew up playing soccer. I played soccer into college. I was captain and got a couple of uh, accolades there while playing soccer. That was the sport of my life. And through playing soccer, I learned so much discipline and so much about what it meant to be a leader as well as camaraderie. And I would say that my athletic career is what really disciplined me because when you are um, an athlete, you have to make sure you're budgeting your time. Um, And my parents made it very clear if my grades weren't up to par, I would not be playing. (laughs) Wow. I'm glad you said that because I I coach soccer part time, Mm but let's let's, um, dive into it a little bit more. Why do you say soccer gives you discipline? Mm -hmm. Because to be an athlete and to be an athlete that excels, you have to commit to it fully. And when I started playing soccer, I started at four years old, five years old. (laughs) And my parents also tried to put me into like softball and some other things. And I think, I think it came down to, because I also have an older brother, you know, my parents were going crazy driving us to and from, you know how it is going to all these after school activities. And my mom, just my parents actually both gave me an ultimatum. They're like, well, what do you want to do now? And I picked soccer and I stayed with it. (laughs) Um, So I played recreational, then I went to travel and then I got a scholarship and played into college. Was it always what I thought I would do? No, but I, I developed such a love for it. And when you start to excel, you meet teammates who have your back. Um, you learn again, the discipline of wanting to excel. I didn't want to be a bench player. I wanted to be a starting player. Okay. (laughs) So I had to put the work in. I went to my parents um, invested in summer camps, summer soccer camps, where wow. I developed my skills, my dribbling, um, all the moves. And those things were what paid off because it was what was you were doing off of the field that really counted. Yes. Wow. Now, good to hear. But so what position did you play? I played a couple. When I started, I started in, in as a defender in defense. Okay. When I got into like high school, I got into midfield. I used to play on the wing. And then going into college, my main position was center midfield. And that was probably the best. That was the best fit position for me because as a center mil- midfielder and you're a soccer player mm-hmm. and you can understand, it depends on what your formation is, but I think we, we gravitated more towards a 4-4, like two okay. format. Yep. And 
in the middle, you have four midfielders and I would play with another center midfielder. So we would have to work off of each other. Right. And if I'm going up, she's hanging back. If I'm hanging back, she's going up. And I'll still say that I gravitated towards more of a defensive midfield posture and when you're playing center mid your head has to be on the swivel you got to see the openings you got to see forward and backwards and you're also setting the pace of the play so it was a very um pivotal pivotal excuse me position and i liken that to how it set me up for life and professionalism too and i know i'm transitioning a bit but it was such a major position because to be center to set the pace to also be defensive and forward-minded to look for opportunities and gaps that set me up professionally to look for my opportunities professionally to look for where i can attack and lead with my skills versus hanging back so there were so many (laughs) professional analogies that i learned from soccer and being an athlete and i'm just grateful for and my parents didn't know that when they were setting me up hey we need you to do something (laughs) but you know now on this side of life oh my gosh i can't thank them enough for that it really set me on my way but uh, i'm surprised to hear that you you kept soccer all the way to college so when did you realize that um, soccer can be a great opportunity for you to get into college yeah I would say in high school my freshman and sophomore year of high school we were playing at some tournaments in my travel teams and they happened to be like um, collegiate scouting related to it and I really didn't think about it and then As a freshman and sophomore, I was being approached by colleges then, and I didn't think about it. But it just so happened that the tournaments were also like scouting opportunities. And my coach had said like, that might be an option. And I didn't think about it. And then I was approached and I was like, okay, this could be something. And then I just continued getting better. I was, I made varsity early. I was captain. I was like, you know what, maybe I can do this. But it won't hurt that I would get a scholarship. <laughs> wow. No, it's a great, um, I like this, um, this um, experience when you have mm-hmm. where, because me personally now I coach soccer mm-hmm. in a high school level. I coach JV, but, um, and I'm telling, I'm trying to uh, help my players to understand that this can be a great opportunity for you to get better and to yeah. get into college. You never know what can come in your dedication to play mm-hmm. soccer. Yeah, and in general, it just yeah. you have a great age bracket and age group. Even if they don't go into soccer as a scholarship, there are other scholastic opportunities you can have um, going into college. But the point is to commit to something. There is merit in committing to something and giving it your all that you will later be recognized for doing well in it. And it helps that it's something you're passionate and you love. I didn't just do soccer I mean, I would, I would say in retrospect, some of it was like parents, yeah. some of it was I was in it, and I'm sure we'll get into the spiritual aspect of things later. But ultimately, I saw that, hey, I love soccer. Like, it's my life. I love oh, my wow. team. I love who I play with. I love I never have like somebody <laughs> showing so much passion. I thought it was only me, but... That's good to hear. And yeah. this is what I like about this <laughs> podcast is every guest teaching me like something new. And I think you kind of embrace your passion for soccer and you use it for your advantage. So <clears throat> getting to uh, college, what was your experience? I know you playing soccer for your college. So elsewhere, like outside soccer, what was your experience? Yeah, I will have to tell you this. This was a life-changing moment for me. So I was recruited uh, to play soccer. I was one of the star recruits, if not the star recruit, um, going into my college experience. And I had so much ahead of me looking forward to it, all that stuff, right? And uh, just to pivot for a second, too, because this was a major part of my life outside of soccer. I was in a very serious car accident at 17, right before I was going to go off to college, this is before graduation. And I was actually 
uh, blinded in my accident as a result of it. So it took um, some recovery and just by, by the sheer grace and mercy of God, my sight returned. However, I was blind for about four months and I didn't know if I was going to play soccer or not. So here I was, 17, young, all my life is in front of me and I'm in this terrible car accident where physically I'm fine. I didn't break any bones, but I was blind in my right eye and I had to put soccer aside for a second and focus on healing okay. and not know what I can do again with my life. Okay. And again, by the grace of God, my sight was restored. I was able to walk in graduation, which I didn't think I would do. And um, a month before I was supposed to go off to soccer, I got um, cleared by my doctor to go. Now, the thing is, preseason for soccer starts in August. August, yes. Right. I got cleared somewhere in July, early July, maybe. Now, if if you are on a track and a plan, I would have been already fit and training <laughs> and ready <laughs> by that time. Yeah. So I had to like personally really kick it up and force myself. And here's where discipline came in to get up to par to go into preseason. Now, I'm not going to say that preseason was easy because of obviously I'm coming back yeah. from a really bad injury. So I didn't start as a starter, which okay. is what would have happened. But within after preseason and we were maybe four games in at that point early in our season because usually we have about 20 games 22 games after like the fourth or fifth game i worked my way back up to being a starter but it took a lot of discipline and again the grace of god but it was outside of soccer that was my life my life was healing my life turned around the love i had for the sport had, yep. to, had to come down now because there's more important things yes. than just playing the sport. <laughs> and that was the experience God had to take me through in that. <laughs> um, so I learned, hey, outside of playing, you could not have that in a second. It's great to be passionate. It's great to go through those things and, and yeah. pursue those things that make you passionate. But who are you outside of soccer, girl? Yeah. And that started my exploration of who I am if I'm not playing soccer. Because okay. that showed me how fragile one life is. And two, outside of what you can do, because soccer, sports, it's performative. Outside of what you can do, who are you in essence? And that was a whole nother journey outside of playing soccer. Wow. And thank you for sharing it. Um, so one thing I like and I hear it, uh, I hear it a lot saying uh, they say that soccer gives you that social ability to connect yeah. with each other. Did you have that same experience? Absolutely. Um, the thing about playing soccer, I would say also any sport, is you. there's so much camaraderie in it. Yes. Like you're all as a team collectively playing together yeah. a sport that you all enjoy with one goal you take out the other team however you take them out and you're winning <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know it's this camaraderie you become friends with the people you play with and it's really important the people that you're playing with the people you're on a team with socially you're getting along with them because that really comes off on the field yeah. because if you're not getting along with somebody you're not going to pass the ball to them <laughs> you know? yeah you're right you're socially, right Right. It definitely helped me socially with friendships, socially to learn other people's personalities, dynamics. Also, as part of how I, brought, I was brought up outside of playing soccer, I also was in the orchestra and I was in like chess club. And I got to do just all these random activities that exposed me to a different assortment of people. Okay. So in one sense, I could be around orchestra band geeks if you will which I probably was one of them and another sense I can be with the athletes so and and also the people who are in honors classes so I just had such a wide assortment of of relationships social opportunities that I think really just shaped me overall wow wow (laughs) no great to hear so let's go back a little bit on your going up in the Haitian household yeah um Technically, you you an example. Um, you the exception of that they call Ligley's Lakai because you play soccer. So, how was it for you? Yeah, yeah. I won't say I wasn't in there because definitely, you know, we had the Lecol, we had the Ligley's because you know I went to my uh, 
I was raised Catholic, so I went to my yeah. CCD classes and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I became Christian and accepted Jesus after my accident when I was 17, but I grew up Catholic. Okay. Um, so I, I guess I'm not entirely an exception. Nah, you're not. <laughs> I don't think we could get away from nah, that. No, no, no. I feel like all Haitians and Haitian parents went to the same school to raise their yes. Yes. Uh, if you If you follow us on, on, on our podcast, yep. if we guess, it's always the same league called League Just yep. Like I. And this That's is one thing, is. and I had... um. I guess Brenda saying she her parents allow her to like get out, go meet people, which kind of help her be the person she is now. So yes. let, let's talk about <clears throat> well, your relationship in how was it in the what was the dynamic in the house in the household for you and your parents and your siblings. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you for asking. Uh, so the dynamic was I grew up, I had both of my parents. They are actually going to celebrate their uh, 36th wow. anniversary next month. So they've been married for almost 36 years. So I grew up with loving parents that have been married. I, I had marriage in front of me and modeled, and that was, it, yep. it is the goal. Um, additionally, my father worked very hard. He had multiple jobs. Um, my mother also working very hard in healthcare. Um, my dad having an assortment of, of positions. So I just, I've always, it's always been instilled in me working hard and, and changing how you can change your life based off the work that you do um, and that you put in. And um, I didn't want for anything as far as from a dynamic goes. Yep. I mean, they didn't give me everything, but I still look back and I'm just like, yeah. I guess I was spoiled. I guess I got everything because I have an older brother and it's okay. me. So there's a boy and a girl. So technically I have my own stuff and my brother would always have yep, his own yep, stuff, yep. but I'm the younger one. So in annoying younger sister fashion, Ooh. I would still bother him when he's playing <laughs> his Nintendo. And <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, and you, you know? and you playing soccer, you probably have some challenge game with him if he into soccer too yeah we both did play soccer but i was more serious about it than he was um that wasn't really his thing and it was okay because yeah. we, just, we had our own things but my parents completely supported us in whatever we wanted to do as it relates to sports you know and and also i would say um the difference was that you know, from their schooling and I guess how you're raised, it's just, hey, you know, work, get a college education, preferably in healthcare, <laughs> and, yeah. and get a job. <laughs> and I would say I'm an anomaly because obviously I'm not in healthcare, but I did try to go that track because of my parents. I really? Initially, yeah. Initially, I went to school um, for physical therapy. I was in a DPT program, doctorate of physical therapy. Okay. And I changed my course okay. in the middle of it. But I, I got into it. I was able to do it. I was in AP science courses. But it wasn't a purpose fit <laughs> for wow. me. Yep. So I had to leave that. But it was with a lot of, it was met with a lot of uh, adversity. <laughs> for so sure. you, you were doing that, um, embracing your calling. So what happened? What was the the trigger for you to not continue to that cause? Yes. In a practical sense, I'm going to tell you this. I got to organic chemistry, Eddie. <laughs> and I said, uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people said uh, they did, um, they went to, it was a blood that kind of, nah, they said, nah, that's not for me. Um, but yeah. you, wow. I got organic chemistry. I didn't need to see blood. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, or did you know you had to switch? Like, why? The reason I ask is because I want to make sure that anybody who's maybe in that same boat, but your le your lesson can help them get Absolutely. where they need to be. Yep. Excellent question. I would say this for myself and also here's my recommendation for anyone else who's kind of in the crux of figuring out um, from a purpose standpoint if moving forward in a certain career path is for them or not. I would say you have to put it against, am I doing this for other people or do I really feel like it's, this is something I want to do truly? And when I, although I had proverbially all of the check marks, like I had the yep. scientific ability, you having the ability and capability doesn't make it a fit. <laughs> 
it just makes you capable. Like we're, we are capable of anything. If I wanted to be an astronaut, I could be an astronaut. If I want to be a mechanic and you apply yourself, you can be a mechanic. But you have to break down, why am I really doing this now? Because when it gets hard, when yep. it gets difficult, that is what sets you apart in continuing. Yes. And that's where you need that inner fortitude to have you go forward. Wow. Like, so for this, it wasn't in a, in a surface sense, it was organic chemistry. <laughs> that was that was the straw that had me like, you know what, this isn't it. But there was always a very subtle gnawing feeling I had like, oh, I don't know if this is really for you. Do you really want to do this? Is this really for you? And then as I am growing in my relationship with God, and after being rocked in a life-changing car accident, <laughs> everything had a different lens. So even going into this doctorate program, I realized I could do it, but is this really what I'm called to do? And I realized I was carrying the dream of my parents. Yes. And it's great to carry it in a sense because, you know, my parents came from Haiti to give us a better life. Yes. And they did in every sense of the word, gave us opportunities shelter beyond what they had um a safe environment like everything was way better than anything they ever had and in that they want us to succeed they think they know the way for you to succeed but it's not it's not it it's short-sighted and this is where this is where the scripture i think of um um, your mother and father will forsake you but the lord will take you up there's an extent to where your parents can take you. And this is where the Lord takes you up to. So I had to allow the Lord to take me up in my purpose, take me up beyond the vision that was implanted in me as a child to yes. go into physical therapy or whatever, because of what you've seen, yes. you know, and that was the marker for me. And I'm glad you touched on it because so for us um, in divine purpose podcast, it's, Embrace your calling because mm-hmm. I feel like anybody, any human being, they they are called to be somebody or to do a purpose, to have a set up purpose in terms of what they can do and what they should do. Mm-hmm. But I know it's a difficult process because as a Christian myself, you have to be broken and cut yeah. down. So I don't know if you okay to touch on that. A little bit and like I said this podcast is helping people understand all oh, God mm-hmm. is calling you and not everybody have the same path but I think no. the result is expected mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely I, I kind of intimated to that a bit with this car accident that I had which was literally the life changing event for me yeah. but after that it was a matter of just walking in my sanctification journey with him now and walking with him, having a relationship, understanding that, Hey, even before this accident, before you even dribble the soccer ball, I called you yes, and wow. I had my mark on you and you have walked through these life events and this is, and we're walking, you know, he's the author and finisher of our, of our, of our faith. So yes. he knows end to beginning. We're walking beginning into what our end is. Okay. And in just my little bit of life, because, you know, time is like a speck with the Lord. In my little bit of life and my little bit of living, I'm thinking I'm getting somewhere. <laughs> oh. I'm, get, I'm getting somewhere and, and I'm seeing, you know, where I'm supposed to be going. And he had to just shake and up level all that. And it's just like Jesus, you know, he's how he comes and he quote unquote seemingly disrupts, but really he keeps yeah. you on track. Yep. And all of those things in my life, every single moment is not for waste, not one second of it. And it contributed to me moving forward into, into calling. And for me, do I recommend a uh, near-death experience for people? No. no. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. However, if you, could, if you can, you know, catch on and hear God before then, by all means, please do so. Now for me, girlin, as for me in my house... <laughs> Yes. what I needed to get on track. But there's there's something in the breaking, to your point. There's something in the breaking and the up-leveling and the uprooting yes. that leaves room for fresh soil, that leaves room for more clarity. You have to get broken 
if you if you're really walking this thing right, <laughs> there's an yep. appointed breaking yeah. for you, okay? Yeah. Because that breaking, although painful, although not pleasurable, <laughs> it reminds us that we're not bastards. We are his children. He's called us and we're heirs to the promise. Oh, and that was my breaking moment. Although there have been many in my life, that was like the most, you know, life changing one. And many more will follow and have followed. However, but that breaking had to happen to shift my perspective. I literally had like a Paul Saul conversion, like eyes blinded and seeing. And that changed oh. everything for me. And every Christian ought to have. A moment like that where everything is uprooted and again i'm sorry to tell y'all i'm not here to to tell you it's going to be fun because it's not <laughs> but you know what feels really good agreement and when you agree with god and his purpose for your life oh, and he's only going to show and he's going to show it to you in, in little nuggets and morsels but when you take when you take those little that agreement with the nuggets and morsels oh my god to walk with him to talk with him and for him to call you his own my God! Yes, uh, that's that's amazing. Thank you for sharing this. And what I will add is the faith. You have to have faith and yes. follow him. Follow him definitely. So, your experience in college, how was it for you? For you <laughs> leave your house, you live in your brother, you live in your parents. I don't know if you mm-hmm. went out of state. So, can you tell us? Sure. I stayed for college. I stayed in state. I um, am originally from a a suburb of New York and I went upstate, truly upstate and went for a little bit. And then I also transferred colleges and I went to a Christian college after that. Wow! So I had two pretty distinct college experiences. One was of my own choice and, you know, it was my first time being away from home and all that stuff. So I had those adjustments of being away from home and it was a true identity situation. I think a lot of people go through in college. It was a, you're shedding what your parents are telling you and also putting to use what your parents are telling you and what you've been exposed to and trying to live life, create routines, create friendships. Um, while, you know, just, just being away and, and working towards your academic pursuits. And then when I also went to a Christian college, it was very fundamental because I was, as part of your curriculum, you're learning about Old Testament, New Testament. Um, we have classes like, quote unquote, spiritual formation, and you're, you're learning spiritual disciplines as well. It comes before um, making a small... So that was also its its own experience in itself. So I was grateful to have both because it, it shaped me into my early formative Christian years and also yes. formative adult years. Wow, great! And one thing I, I because I'm now you are communication manager. So yes. what was your transition like? Oh, how many credit you will say playing soccer helped you to be a good communicator or mm-hmm. be be able to embrace that role to be a communication manager at Cisco? <laughs> yes. I would say the soccer aspect is just something that I can attribute to all of my professional activities. I worked in business development and sales for several years. Me coming into communications is my most recent career pivot. So I'm also, I also want to encourage the listeners today to let them know that it's, you can have a career pivot at any point. It's about making your skills transferable. And to connect to your question, I would say that just soccer in general, sports in general, gave me a level of resilience and endurance so that I can go through my professional experience and thrive in it. So whether I'm in sales, whether I'm in communications and I need to make sure that I have things up to a certain part. I'm really just transferring everything I've learned into a more focused and and streamlined career and and role now. So for communications, if I can think about it, I would say too, as someone who was captain of previous teams and uh, as someone who was a center midfielder, you have to... You have to have that relationship. You have to see through what is an appearance and get down to what is necessary. So 
so um, with teammates, learning different personalities and having to make sure that when I'm communicating to my teammates, we're all in this together. And I want to just also provide support and equally when I'm I'm giving directions about what we may or may not be doing on the field, it's going to land with you. And I know, hey, I can talk to Jen a certain way, but I can't talk to so-and-so a certain way. (laughs) You know what I mean? And as as it relates to communications, communications is really big on messaging and you have to understand your audience. So as you dissect who your audience is, who you are communicating to, reaching out to, and where you want that messaging to land, it's about making sure that it's clear and that it's applicable to who it is that you're communicating to. Yeah, no, thank you. Well said. So after college, there is always a dry season for some. I don't know if if you had that too. So what was your first job? How was your confidence level going to that first job? And what would you consider to be, Eddie, a dry season? You know, college and you're looking for jobs, you're applying, you know, you're just out there looking mm-hmm. for the next opportunity. And sometimes it might take a month or oh, I see. months. Mm-hmm. That's, That's what I meant to say. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. Um, I, I believe this is probably the experience of a lot of people who come out of college. Um, there is, you come out of college or you get your degree and you are bright eyed and bushy tailed and ready to take down the world. Like here I am, cheese, cheese, cheese. I got this <laughs> degree. Who's ready for me? Cause I'm ready for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, um, I, I, I don't know that everyone has this experience or not, but I felt very ill prepared <laughs> for the real world of applying to jobs yep. right after. Um, it was definitely, it didn't go as planned. <laughs> but my first job that I had out of college was actually, I worked for an optometrist as an office administrator. Okay. So um, that wasn't planned per se, but it was a great foundationary ground wow. um, for me in my journey. That's what I yep. can talk about because as someone who, look at look at the details of God here, Eddie. I'm just going to break this down for you. Yep. As someone who previously lost sight, I'm working for an eye doctor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, that's so I'm not working for an yeah, eye doctor. Right, right. right, it's just, it's crazy. I'm working for an eye doctor now. <laughs> and, you know, I'm helping run an office in a sense and, you know, work with patients. I have to be, you know, caring with them. And mind you, like, I'm in communications now, yes. like, in corporate communications. But my foundation was in running that little office right there, um, making sure we had standard operating procedures, making sure I'm, I'm helping our patients also, I'm helping them pick out glasses and things like that. Mm. I love eyewear. That was a little bit of my foundationary sales experience. Okay. Um, wow. My office administration was in there. There were just so many little you know, nuggets that I got out of that. And, um, you know, I would say that was my journey. But for, for people coming out of college, sometimes where you land first, don't be discouraged by that. Yes. It's, it's, it's not the ultimate landing place. It's a foundationary landing place. And whatever it looks like, you should, you should, take, you should take it for what it is and learn as much as you can. Because I look back on that time, it, it helped me to be a good steward over being responsible for my hours. Being, yeah. You know, obviously the pay was not where you want it to be, but even still, you have to bring a spirit of excellence. And as a Christian, that's something that we're absolutely charged to do. And in all things, you're doing it to the glory and honor of Christ. So in my little itty bitty position, I had to make sure I was bringing it like million dollar. <laughs> that's a mentality. Yeah. So you have a bachelor in psychology and a uh, MBA. So, like, can you tell us why looking um, going for an MBA? So you're um, asking if I should explain uh, about why get an MBA or yeah, yeah. Like, I know you have a um, bachelor in um, psychology. So some people they go for something else, but why MBA? Uh Oh, yeah. Thank you for that. For me, uh, my MBA uh, business administration was a great next 
fit for me. I had a couple of years of working in a few different professions and industries. And I was really looking, now that I had a couple of years of working, I felt like I got into a real place that I can see myself continuing in corporate. And also I'm recognizing where some of my talents are lying. And I figured at that time that it was a moment where I needed to make a decision as to whether I wanted to continue my education outside of my organization that I'm working for or try to look around into organization for the support where for me, that was not really an option. And I decided to kind of take it into my own hands. So an MBA for me presented the opportunity to have a diversified degree, um, help me learn more business acumen, understand finance, uh, as well as, you know, the HR, the, the marketing, it was, it's really like a diversified degree to have in business. You couple that with your work experience, which I personally recommend having a little bit of that before going into your master's. It really revolutionizes and brings your, uh, your learnings to light in a different way. So between those two, I feel like having my MBA set me up with a value proposition that I didn't have before and completely increased my ability to articulate my value while understanding business concepts and just giving myself that advantage. Wow. Great. Great to hear. So (laughs) let's talk about you being um, nominated top sales star 2001. Wow. Oh, yeah. And congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's great. Um, Yeah, it was a surprise. (laughs) A very pleasant surprise. I have been working in the sales industry for a bit and in account management and in tech. And over the last bit of time, I would say the last year or so, I really started to go dive deeply into the sales community in LinkedIn. So the sales community out there is so wonderful. And I want to just also take a moment to praise and recommend that everyone take advantage of their LinkedIn and community. Okay. There are so many people out there who are in your industry and it started for me as I genuinely just wanted to learn and be a student of sales. I felt like I had to look outside of my organization for people who are doing what I'm doing. And I wanted to get the nuggets of how they're excelling. And while I was looking into the sales community, I'm finding people, I'm finding networks, I'm finding um, organizations that are out there for sales. And honestly, and genuinely just fellowshipping with people in there. I'm asking for the virtual coffee. We're seeing each other on the same webinars with the same people or we're in the same comment sections all the time. And it's like, you take it offline and then you meet people. So in diving into the sales community and, and getting such value from the people, I also have been just contributing in the space of LinkedIn and the sales community where I can and just going about it as genuinely and for what feels right for me. Yep. And and through that, I was recognized and I'm very grateful for that and honored. Wow. Congratulations. Congratulations. So we're going to take a quick break um, for okay. our commercial break and we'll sure. be back with Hot Topic. Hot Topic um, with <clears throat> Girling Gersey. And uh, we'll be back. Decision. Choices. A smart choice is the best option, which is who we are. That's why our clients expect more from us and in return, get more in everything we do. We understand the problem. That's why we thrive for excellence. We don't just create a winning culture. We aspire to be a smart choice, a voice for solutions. We believe in integrity, professionalism, and teamwork. Our passion is to bring results from our clients by working harder, smarter, and faster. As a team, we always deliver because we recognize your needs. Choosing smart influences us to be the best version of ourselves. That makes us different than other companies. It makes us confident in achieving our goals. It makes us who we are. And it makes us DFM. The smart choice. Yes, uh, if you're looking for a facility management company, um, that's if facility management is your company. 
If you're looking for project management, cleaning, vendor management, maintenance, call them now, 617-237-0106. 617-237-0106. We have a girl in Gersey with us today, and she's talking about her experience, and we have a great conversation, and we're going to have her for Hot Topic. Hot Topic. Um, so a quick Hot Topic for you would be, do you think the women's soccer team is better than the men's soccer team? <laughs> of course. And I oh, think the facts are there to prove it. <laughs> All right. So let's dive into it. Why? Well, number one, women's soccer has just been elite since Mia Hamm in the late 90s. Okay. Uh-oh. So it has been on since then. And I think the the data and the results show that they have the most Olympic medals at this point. <laughs> so um oh. US women's all the way. <laughs> oh, you're right, you're right. No, I know, I know. But um I think they did great. They did great. Um and they're doing great now. But um so mm-hmm. my next question is why do you think um sports is a great opportunity f- to to help people be um, active, athletic, and like a like a go getter. So, why do you think sport is a great um, sport, a great activities to do in terms of if you're trying to build your tough uh, mental strength? Yeah, if you meant physically and help you get better in your career. Yeah, I I think you said it all there, Eddie. Actually, but yes. Whether you are an all-star athlete or you're just doing it for fun, being involved in some type of sport, some type of competitive action and exercise does so much for you. Physically, the mental aspect is major because of how much um, how much you have to dig into yourself. I had a high school coach who used to say, as we were doing sprints and going up and down these hills, he would say, mind over matter, mind over matter. And I hated him for it. I really hated him. I'm dying and you are telling me mind over matter. What is that doing for me? But you, you kind of look back and you complete what's so hard and whatever have you. And it's really, really mental, truly. Um, and I'm not saying you physically, like you have to listen to your body, like, you know, before you pass out. <laughs> but it's crazy how much we can push ourselves physically when our mind starts and, and leads that action. And it goes to show you from an athletic exercise, yes. taking that into your life principles, that if I can mentally get myself there on board, visualize and see it, I can get myself into that place. Wow. Well said. So let's switch quickly. I know outside of your professional um, professional pursuit, you are passionate about um, advocating for grief and loss and you offering guidance to to others. Can you can you tell us more about that? Yes, absolutely. So I am really passionate about being a grief advocate. I personally believe that our national bereavement policies have to change. Most companies give us like three days of bereavement, whether it is from, you know, someone that you lost in your immediate family or not, or they only recognize it if it was in your immediate family. So I think one um, having some type of policy reform around bereavement needs to happen. And I'm, I'm very particular and passionate about that. Additionally, uh, as a Christian, I've had personally a lot of experiences with grief and losing people, but also the secondary losses that come from losing people and grief and grieving. And there's, I think what needs to be understood, and this is my plug where I am writing my first book, what needs to be understood is in our secondary losses and in ways that we grieve, we don't just grieve losing people but we grieve in so many other areas. And with this book that I'm working on, my goal is to encourage other Christians, Christian women particularly, in their grieving process to one, to recognize it as soon as they can and to walk in comfort with the Lord and not allow grief to overtake them like a cloak or a wave. So hopefully in this book, I can shed light to, to my readers and encourage them along their grieving journey in the various areas 
that they're grieving in to recognize them before it overtakes them. Wow. So can you can you share with us? Um, I don't want to say a number, but like name people who influence your life so far. Name the main influences in my life, you're saying? Yeah, like, um, I don't want to say five or three. So you, it's up to you how many people you will, if you had a chance to invite them to a dinner. Oh, okay. So <laughs> they would be. Got you. They have to be living? Okay. Oh, uh, nah. It doesn't. <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. Good. Good, good, good. Um, I would go with Jane Austen. Mm. <laughs> I love Jane Austen books and whatever. So I'm going to go with Jane Austen. I want to run her back. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Two, I would go with, I'm not trying to do all these historical figures because I can really (laughs) get into that because I'm really into history. But, okay, I'm going to monitor myself here. Jane Austen, I definitely want to sit down with Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> um oh, that is eve i got some questions for eve <laughs> um but also i think another um, person that i would love to sit down with would be actually oprah and gail because i really like their dynamic oh and wow. living people mm. so those would be my top <laughs> give me two people now eve and jesus okay <laughs> Because I'm trying to get some perspective here. Eve, <laughs> let's answer a few questions for me real quick. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to hit you, I promise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, that's great. No, that's great. I think, um, yeah, I think so too, because at the end of the day, those are like the things we we'll probably have questions and that's unanswered. But um, so can you talk about your favorite movies? Sure. Um, I am a big period historical drama fan mm. so I love all of the as you can tell Jane Austen things <laughs> um, my favorite actress is Kira Knightley and okay. she's known for doing a lot of period films so like my top films are Pride and Prejudice, The Duchess films like that I really love and gravitate towards and I have a special also plug and love for um, some spy dramas Yep. And this is not a movie, but it's a show I've really come to like. It's okay. called Ali- Alias with Jennifer Garner. It's my newest obsession, which I've been watching through Amazon Prime. I recommend you guys go and watch it. It's an old show. It was like, it aired 2001 to 2005. Okay. But I just got on it and I was, I'm like, where has this been all of my life? <laughs> wow. Wow. No, no, definitely. So any, so did you have a chance to go back to 80 at all? Sorry, can you hear me repeat that? Yeah, did you have any chance to go back to Haiti? Oh, no, I have not. I think, okay. unfortunately, um, every time that I've been ready to go or wanted to go, um, something has happened. But I would very much love to go. My mom is from Capaisian, my dad's from Port-au-Prince. And I oh, just really? love to... Um, mm-hmm. yeah. um, my, so I would just love to connect with where they grew up and it's just yes. it would be some something about putting my feet on the ground <laughs> of where they have been that would just make it all that more special so i'm i'm praying that prayerfully um given everything going on but prayerfully that i will have the opportunity to actually go in the next couple of years so if if god give you the power to one wish he give you one wish for haiti what it will be mm. It would be for Haiti to flourish like it's always been meant to because Haiti is so, it's such, it's such a rich island, a rich land. And it's been known that it is rich in many resources for hundreds of years. And a lot of what we have had to endure as Haitians and our country, the turmoil, it's, it's really not a lack of, of resources where we're positioned as, semi third world and, and like poverty stricken, but we're really not. It's a real systemic, um, a real systemic disadvantage that we're set up with. And my prayers that we'll get to flourish um, in our due season. Okay. Very soon. No, no. Um, good, yeah, thank you for sharing. So if you had the chance to 
remove one thing in your life that you were not <clears throat> happy with. Mm-hmm. It's okay. You, like I said, it's a tricky um, question, but we'd like to hear from you if there's anything you you didn't like happening, and if you had a chance to change, what would be what it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, I really wouldn't. Uh, at this point, I'm pretty. Yeah, honestly, I I'm know. Really I'm really settled in everything. It's like Great I question. really. This was like question. Because <laughs> that's your purpose, you know. Anything that happens in your life, anybody's life, it's a purpose and go get you get where you need to be and teach you the lesson you need to to learn. Yeah, absolutely. So at this point, I can't subtract anything. Eddie. I'm just gonna. I'm looking for where we can make some additions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, you want to talk about your book? Yes, yes, yes. Um, so I mentioned before that I'm working on my first book on the topic of grief and, you know, grieving your life perceived losses. And I say perceived because as someone who's very big on sight um, and had sight restored, I believe that the perception of loss is one that is very tricky. But when we look at the economy of heaven, many of our losses are truly gained because we're gaining in comfort with God. We're getting opportunities for that comfort, for embrace, for walking closer with him. And this is not to demean or devalue any loss that we experience, but there is so much that can be said in changing our perception of losses and how we are truly gaining in perspective, gaining in experience, although it doesn't feel good at the time, but that gain is ultimately being used for our good. Wow. Well said. Well said. Thank you, Gerlin. Uh, we really appreciate you. Honestly, I, I didn't plan that we'll be having so much fun talking. And we have soccer in common. Yes, and, we do. And we in, so that's great. So in yes. a final word... No, I just wanted to, again, thank you so much for having me, for allowing me to impart a little bit to your listeners. And now that we have so much in common, I do hope we'll keep in touch. And again, thank you so much for having me here on the oh, podcast. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. We have Gerling Gersey. She's a communication manager at Cisco and she's working on her book and we'll be waiting for that book soon. Yes. Um, Like I said, we really appreciate you. I had great fun. I laugh a lot. And I think you share a lot of um, great advice to our to our viewers. And hopefully we can have you soon for another episode. This is Eddie Dacius with Divine Purpose Podcast. Thank you. Welcome to the Divine Purpose Podcast, where we transport you along one of the more dynamic journeys of life. Have you ever been curious to know what it takes to become a successful leader? Or about knowing the secrets of life through the Bible? How about engaging in conversation where no topics are off limits? We will take you to new levels with guests who can help you grasp the importance of your calling. Now, here's your host, Eddie Dacius, founder of Dacius Facilities Management.